You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Power Your Life. I'm Joanne White, your host. And many times, and this just isn't for women, it's for men too, many times we get excited about being engaged in relationships and meeting the right people, and sometimes we're not even sure what we're looking for and we're and, and we feel uncomfortable about it or our self-esteem seems to be dashed, and it's really important that we kind of know what we need to do to get the best from a relationship and to really feel good and honor ourselves within any relationship, and that's so important. So... We're going to look at that today with my guest, Sandra Peart, who is an educator, a speaker, and the author of Tell It Like It Is, Why Don't You? I love the title. She's passionate about helping women and men, primarily women, embrace their value and worth to receive the best life can offer and also to feel good in their relationships. Her books and programs equip you with strategies to get to the to get the best out of a relationship and to feel good. From individual coaching programs to seminars and keynote speeches, Sandra offers help to her readers and listeners to provide stimulating, thought-provoking tools that they need to improve all different facets of their relationships. Sandra primarily helps women discover their self-worth with personal action plans that create measurable changes in thinking differently about a relationship, especially when it comes to dating and moving on from a bad relationship. Before writing her book, Sandra spent 23-plus years as a teacher, district trainer, consultant, coach, NGEA minority leader, trainer, NEA delegate assembly representative, workshop leader, coach, facilitator, presenter, etc., researcher, grant writer, and recently was the recipient of the Shiro Award from the National Coalition of 100 Black Women for her service in education. Congratulations. Welcome, Sandra. How are you? Thank you. Um, well, well. Dr. White, thank you so much for the opportunity. My pleasure. So let's get to it. Oftentimes, and and you do primarily work with women, but we also have men listening in, and it's important so that they have good relationships too and also know how to treat their partner. 
What seems yeah. to be one of the the biggest downfalls that people, women in particular, go through in terms of of not feeling good about a relationship? I'd say that it would be not having the confidence to communicate effectively to that mate, that partner. And, you know, now, when you hear about... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm saying, there's an air about a woman who, has, who, who is strong and attractive and who can talk, articulate things that are going on, and there are those women that do not. And that's when the relationship starts not being um, equal in, in a lot of areas. You know, I think that's important, people to have the confidence to feel good about themselves. However, there are times when people are in relationships. I had a client who actually said this new relationship that she's in, the her partner doesn't make her feel good. She feel, doesn't feel good about herself. So even if she had confidence going into it, what would you say to, to a relationship like that like that? Well, I would definitely look at what he wants and what she wants in the relationship. And with one-on-one coaching, we go through, it's almost like a T-chart, where we identify the things that he wants in the relationship and doesn't want in the relationship, and the same for the, for the party. And then we do one that's with the, both of them, where they actually agree to things that they want to do together, create, that will make the relationship far better, and that's how we do that. It's through communication. It's through looking at the facts and the evidence, not circumstantial um, information. Right, and I think that's important because you do have a very important approach to help with communication, and, and it's strategic, and, and there's some yeah. analysis, in it, which it, which is very, I think is very important. However, there's something that I want to go back to with this, because if your partner is yeah. not making you feel good, denigrating you, or, or, or always complaining about something that you do, or, or complaining about how you look or who you are, to me, those are signals that, that you have somebody who is not happy with you on some level, especially in a new relationship, well, in, in all relationships. And is that the right, I mean, even if there was a whole engagement with you or, or you know, or with a coach in terms of what's needed and the communication, what if that partner just is not being nice or not really showing caring? Isn't that, uh, you know, isn't that a red flag in, to some extent? I agree with you. Absolutely, it's a red flag. And, you know, Dr. White, a lot of women, as I talk in my book, put up with too much stuff, you know. They waste the major part of their life longing for unconditional love, respect, honesty, understanding, commitment, and the list goes on. Conversely, there are many intelligent women who do the same thing. And it starts to become acceptable, the verbal abuse the physical abuse and mental abuse for the for multiple multitude of reasons, such as he loves me, you know, his parents never loved him. A lot of excuses come up. So if it's going to that abusive side, you know, there's statistics on that too. 
and every nine seconds in the U.S., a woman is assaulted or beaten. That woman has to decide for herself, is this what I want? Is this going to get better with communication? Is he going to listen? Are we going to, you know, talk about things in a way that's respectful? These are decisions that work when you have it written down. And I have what we call the JAG list in the book, which helps um, the woman to really li- list questions with, and then look for the evidence kind of thing and really decide, is this worth us talking about or is it just something I'm missing? But when we're talking about the abusive side, the statistics are staggering. Nearly one in five teenage girls who have been in a relationship said a boyfriend threatened violence or, or self-harm if presented with a breakup. And in domestic violence, you know, victims lose nearly 8 million days of paid work per year in the U.S. alone. Um, it, and there are more statistics. So that woman has to really discern what does she want? Where are the equal areas in the relationship? What needs work? How can we work on this together? You know, I think, I think even before that, when, when somebody is abusing you, and, and we'll, we'll shift from this in a minute, when somebody's abusing you, whether it's verbally or physically, and, it, and, and, and it's repeated, I don't know that you even need to stay in a relationship because, because sometimes that other person, even through strategically working on goals or whatever, that other person may just enjoy being an abuser or not know any other way. And what's unfortunate about domestic violence, as you're pointing out, is that many women mm-hmm. go back to, you know, they may leave for a while and, and they go back to the relationship, like you said, that they make excuses or they think it's going to be better or, or he didn't mean it, like you said, or he didn't, you know, all of that stuff. But it just keeps perpetuating it. So what are some things that women need to look for in terms of a healthy relationship, and men too, in terms of a healthy relationship, Sandra? Uh, first, I, I think that anyone needs to have um, a dream, some kind of goal, that they, a personal goal that they want in that relationship. There, there needs to be something that they want um, and, and dedicate to learning about that person uh, as best you can because in the long run, you know, everything you know more about that person will be better for your, uh, your sense of, of self um, and really try to develop a resilience and bounce back when something arises that may become more um, argumentative and in areas like that. And I believe that when you look at um, at those areas of, of being resilient and bouncing back and standing up for yourself because you have a job, you, you are working every day, you're, you're making a difference in, in somebody else's life, you feel like you deserve that respect back from, from the person. Then um, for the man too, if he finds himself uh, not working, lounge around the house, not helping, not contributing, well, there's going to be um, an imbalance somewhere. So what you're saying is, firstly, um, 
we need to have self-respect. We need to feel good about ourselves. And we also need to ask or expect from our partner respect, mutual respect, respect for who we are, not because of something we do, but just because of to appreciate and respect one another. I, I, to me, I believe that those are prerequisites for, for an important, you know, a healthy relationship to continue. What are there yeah. other prerequisites that you find that are important to for the people that you work with? Yes, uh, being unshakably optimistic. I believe that there under every cloud there's a silver lining. What is that silver lining for you? And if you are in a relationship to make things better, then you're going to look for the best case, the best case scenario in that relationship, in that healthy relationship. You don't want to be belittled, um, yelled at, talked down to. You want the best possible case scenario, and you build upon that. You know, there's something else that, that, I, that I notice in certain relation, relationships between men and women, and that is a whole issue about control. Even in terms of controlling the dialogue or the conversation or where they go or what they do, whatever. How do you work with something like that with a partner, whether it's a female or a male, who who always wants to be have the upper hand and always wants to control it in some way? Doesn't it need to be balanced? Yes, I agree. With you. It does need to be balanced. And what that woman will have to do is actually, you know, have the courage, true courage, to say to that, that, that mate, that partner, that she is to be shared. She has a life at work, at home, at, at her religious affiliation, her clubs. She has to be shared, bottom line. And I think if, if it's a healthy situation where both, parties want to be with each other for for the, the, the good of the relationship, then she has to really have that courage to let him know that he can't control her. He can't tell her what to do because she is a working woman bringing in an income, uh, taking probably taking care of children or a parent or some other um, person in her life. Therefore, it has to be equal somewhere along the line where they can both find time to, or, 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 or um, was it plan time together to be together? But she has to tell him and make him understand that he cannot control her. The dialogue that they have has to be respectful and and work through it that way. So she, where you know, when as you get older, you have more responsibilities. You know more people. You're far more um, available to all types of things. So having one man try to control you, it's not going to work. You know, I have a friend that, that's been a male friend. We've been friends for years, and he entered into a new relationship. And he has a lot of men and women friends. He's, you know, he's not like 20 years old or 15 or whatever. He's been around. And the woman knew that up front, but eventually she said, I can't, you know, I can't do this because um, 
she basically wanted him to be too exclusive. Now he's he is exclusive. He was exclusive in terms of the relationship and their intimacy, but she didn't want him to see his female friends, or like she wanted him to cut that out. And they ended the relationship. What do you think about that? You said so. She wanted him to cut. I didn't understand that part. She wanted him. He had female friends who he'd let's say he'd go out to lunch with somebody that was a friend of his, and and I mean there were no secrets. And she did not like the fact that he had female friends that he had did had activities with. They weren't married. They weren't living together. So, what do you think about that? I think that when a person is, especially as you get older, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, you you have a life. You build relationships. It's the kind of thing. If this person in your life is now important to you, and you want that person to know who your friends are, then it's appropriate for that for that gentleman to introduce his his lady friend girlfriend to the new to his friends if he's not doing that then that's something that the the girlfriend friend should really sit back and say to say to herself is this man really developing a relationship with me why isn't he including me in getting to know his friend especially if it's been over a year not well, we're talking about the early the early parts of a relationship, and I'm going to differ with you a little bit because I think that that it's important to be able to, especially like you said, when you get up there in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and beyond, you have friends, and these friends mm-hmm. could have been of yours for 20, 30, whatever years, and they're good friends, and, and, and yeah. you rely on them, and oftentimes. The relationships don't work out, but the friendships stay strong. So I don't know that initially that he has to invite her to every, you know, like to have lunch with a friend of his and they're just started to date or whatever. I think he has a right and she has a right to have friendships, not hiding them in any way, but they don't always have to be involved with one another. Right. I agree. I totally agree. Because they're both individual beings on two separate paths until they make that decision where they want to be together, you know, going down the one path together. And even if they want to go down that one path together, I still think it's appropriate if, you know, he says, I'll just use, you know, Joanne, I'm I'm having lunch with, with, uh, Serena tomorrow, and you know, and she his there, and again, it's perfectly on the up and up. There's there's no subterfuge or hiding or lying. It's just that he's he's entitled to all to have a relationship that doesn't every moment include his partner, and yet at other times does. Is there a problem with that for a lot of people? Do you think? Um, yes, <laughs> I, I found that um, that sometimes the guy, when it's okay, when the girls or the females find it permissible, is when the guy's going away for a guy weekend. 
um, always going away with the guys. It's a different scenario when it's with a girl. Oh, she's going out to, to, to lunch with the girlfriend, an ex-girlfriend. You know, these are areas where it has to be communicated. What are the expectations of the relationship? Did we decide that we would, you know, see our friends whenever we felt like it, you know, things like that? And I think it also depends on the level at where the relationship is. And you can't discern that unless you start to be really openly honest about, you know, hey, I'm going out with um, Marianne tomorrow. Um, do you want to come with us? Or she's, you know, we, we, missed, we haven't seen each other in years. We're just getting together. And if that woman understands that, then it's, a, it's perfectly okay. So I and, and, right, I agree. So I think that again, what you go back to is that whole communication about it, and feeling comfortable enough in a relationship and candid enough in a relationship to be able to do that. And and yeah. but again, you're being upfront. So yeah, okay. Because because again, there you know this this friend that I was talking about. That woman ended the, and it was just a, you know, they just started. He, she just couldn't handle it. She ended it, and she told him why. And he still has his female friends that he goes out to dinner or lunch or even to a movie, and he also has his male friends. And I think it's okay. So, what are some mm-hmm. of the challenges that that? How do you know? How do you know when somebody's worth keeping? How do you, you know, how does somebody make that decision about, wow, this person seems right for me. This is this is the right, this, you know, I could be serious about this person or whatever. What's important in, in making that decision? Well, I think when you use the JAG method that I, I um, talk about and share in the book, when you go through that process, and you see things constantly going in a positive direction with where you both are with the, you know, the, the, the basic things, you know, um, peacefulness, you know, goodness, fruits of the spirit almost. Um, when you look at those areas and you seem to be growing, you seem to be um, respecting each other's space, respecting each other in the areas of personal growth. When you see those things going in that direction and um, if there happens to be a problem of sorts, how do you both handle that problem? And, uh, you know, it's like 85% the reaction that, to that problem, which tells you, you know, how well a person can handle something. So I think it's, there's a lot of, um, of growth done through ongoing communication and, and looking for how things are moving along in that way. I totally agree. Tell us a little bit about what's part of that JAG list that's in your book. Um, and this comes from a few counselors. It's a method of looking at the a burning question, I call them. <clears throat> looking at burning questions that when you're when you're dating someone, you experience a feeling, something that triggers something in your your mind, your heart, your soul, some something, and you say to yourself, "Is that a question that has happened to me? Has happened to me, or am I experiencing that because of 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 
him, his actions, you write that question down. You wait a day, review that question, and think about the different scenarios. Sometimes you can write, you know, five or so responses to that one question and discern for yourself, is this a question worth asking him? For example, like you, like you just talked about the uh, seeing your, having the guy see his uh, female friends. If this woman has had past relationships where she's, that's happened before, where the guys have gone out with their past friends and, and she, let's just say that she caught them sleeping together, she's had bad experiences, then she's not going to be one for this kind of um, going on relationship with this present person. She won't want that. She'll want something different. So when you look at this JAG method, you're analyzing who you are, what you want out of, out of, your, you know, out of life, not necessarily from him, but how are you growing in a way that makes you more uh, focused on what you'd like to have in your life? Is it God first in your life right now? Is that what you want for your mate to have? Do you want that, uh, the same shared religion? Uh, what is it, careers? When you go through that jag list, you really look back at those questions and your responses and then decide, you know, I'm going to talk to him about this because this is why I feel the way that I feel. And here's what happened on, you know, two weeks ago. And talk. Either, you know, bring it up in a way that is respectful, that's kind, that sheds light on the fact that you're, you're reaching out for more information about who you're dating and you respect him and you just want to understand him more. And that's really what the JAG so list does for Do you use the JAG list before, I mean, can can somebody use the JAG list before they're in a relationship to actually determine, like what you said, you know, what's important? I want I want similar somebody with similar values, somebody who think who shares the same religion or the same spiritual beliefs. Some, I mean, is that some is that something that you do with people that aren't in a relationship as well? Yes, that would be. That's more like along along lines of the T chart I spoke about earlier. Because the jack with the jack list, you have to have the person um, that you're you're focused on. Because you, so you really have to focus, um, which is a different format, and that's why it's done that way strategically. So you really get a, a, a chance to observe and and really look at who you are with this person. You know that's that's so important because I I think that people <laughs> sometimes. They get blinded, especially new relationships. They get blinded mm-hmm. by maybe a physical attribute or compliments or, or something that person did. And often they're not looking or soul-searching to really figure out what's, you know, what's important in, in the relationship and if that, that person or that prospective partner has that. Now, what if somebody's yeah. in a relationship Sandra, for for a long time, they've been whether they've been married or a partnership or whatever, and suddenly it it changes. The partner may get bored. One of the partners may get bored. May 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 certain may 
kind of changed the way that he or she is responding to the partner or whatever. What do you do when when it started out in a particular way and yet it goes sour? I'll put it that way. It goes sour. <laughs> that's when you, you have to re-energize your relationship. When you met that person, you met that person, you did things together, why? Because it was fun. It was it was fantastic. You know, he's fantastic. He's great. He's this. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. I love how she cooks. All those things you have to re sometimes reinvent the wheel, but you just have to go back and re-energize what you had. But again, it's it's um, communication. <laughs> You've got to communicate. I think and right. You, I, <laughs> Yeah, like the whole communication is so important. I mean, and you have to endure and be persistent in if you know that you have a good thing, a good relationship, and guess what? You're going to keep that relationship going. You do little things. You go away for the weekend. You surprise him with a, a massage at a local place. Or even if you're in a real close relationship, give him one yourself. Plan a night out uh, to do something just for him. And vice versa. You don't have to lose a relationship because you're bored. You know, people need to just try to inspire, excite one another, and just be grateful that they're alive every day with someone who cares and loves them. That's what it's about. It's not about ourselves and our egos. It's about what can I do for that next person, that, that partner of mine? How can I make him or her feel better today than yesterday? I like that. That's good. Some people would say, oh, I've been married 20 years or 15 years. It's too much work. I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe that, yeah, it does take some amount of work if you care about something, whether it's, right? Yes. Let's get back to your book a little bit. What was the stem behind writing this book in the first place? What what happened to you and other people? To... What happened to Sandra? What happened to Sandra? Well, I've got to tell you what happened. Um, I want to hear it. Well, the buzz at the time was Steve Harvey's book, Think Like a Woman, Act Like a Man. I think that's the title, something like that. And but... I was like, oh, I have to read it. And I got it online, read it overnight, and I thought to myself, wow, this is a, a, a man's perspective on, you know, on, on women. And I thought, wow, I have my own history. And it just started me thinking about different things. I said, let me just write some things down from my past and, and some things that in his book, I don't recall exactly what triggered certain things. But I decided writing things down that I found I needed to change in my life and decided writing. But then there were some things that I wasn't familiar with, so I started doing some research. And the more I wrote, the more I said to myself, there's a lot of, especially um, a lot of women out there who are um, in unhealthy relationships and they don't know why. And maybe in my past, I picked the wrong person, uh, and I stayed in the book. I was engaged three times. So <laughs> I realized that 
I need to, to really do some more, you know, reading and writing on that. And so I started writing this thing, and I happened to go to Florida to visit my mother. And I was sharing with her what I had done. Anyway, we went to, went to a friend's house. And long story short, this friend, I was sharing with her about what I'd written, what I'd done. And I had this vision of a yellow rose and something purple. I didn't know what it was. And when we went to this lady's house, she had this yellow hat with a yellow rose on it and this purple scarf on her couch. I, never, I didn't know who she was. And I thought, wow, this is, this is my sign for my book. Anyway, as I continued to share with her, she said, well, I have a friend, let me, let me call her. And this was a publisher in Canada. And that's how everything started was with this publisher in Canada. And um, she says, I want this. I shared with her the first chapter. I didn't know the chapter at the time, but my intro, whatever it was. And she said, I want that book like yesterday because she'd been through a divorce herself and she was looking for a new relationship and all of that. And that's how it started. What experience did you have with relationships in the past that that kind of entered into the process? Or even women well, that you knew? Well, for me, I was slapped across my face when I was, I think, 18. I, I just turned 18, I think it was. And here it is for no reason at all. And this is what happened. I was going out with my idol, <laughs> some person I <laughs> idolized when I was younger. And um, he was older than me. I didn't realize how old he was at the time. But he, my father gave us permission to go out. And I said something. He asked me a question. I said something. And he slapped me across my face. <gasps> and I burst into tears and I, you know, basically ran home and I didn't tell a soul. I did not tell a soul because I felt embarrassed. I was hurt. I thought I was a mature person. I was old enough. And I said to myself, I must have done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And so after that, of course, I was afraid of, of him on one level. But on the other level, because he was my idol, this person I, you know, I wanted in my life, so I thought, he, um, I tried to, I used, to, I tried to babysit his, uh, his sister's children, if I could, so I could see him. I was trying to do all these little things to kind of get back into good graces. So a, a bit of that wasn't telling my life, and I never really had addressed that years later. So. That was one of the things that really propelled me to put information in this book. And I use um, a lot of research from the different celebrities out there that have gone through experiences. And I thought, you know, I'm not the only one, but I was young and I thought, oh, I'm 18, I'm, I'm an adult and da-da-da. But I wasn't. I'm still a little girl inside and I needed wisdom. And had there been someone uh, or, or, or a lot of people you know, sharing different scenarios and, and the questions you ask someone, a plethora of questions, before you actually, you know, want to go out with them even. Because today, times are different. 
21st century, children are different. Everything is fast and quick, and they don't take time to get to know someone. So this way, you know, you're looking at the emotional stance or position, and you take your time. Absolutely take your time. So that's what happened. You know, it's interesting, and again, I see it primarily with women, and I'm not saying that men don't do this either, but what you said, when when after you got slapped, you thought you provoked it in some way, or you did something wrong, and and like you said earlier, a lot of women make excuses, oh, for domestic violence, oh, I... I got him upset, and therefore he beat me or he hit me. It was my doing. Yeah. Rather than seeing, wait a minute, this is this is not any kind of healthy behavior when somebody is hurting someone on different levels. How can that be a loving, supportive relationship? It, to me, it just doesn't. But you you finally got you finally realized that it wasn't your fault, right? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't my fault. Uh, one slap, that's all it took. <laughs> and, when, and, and this is how I, I, I want to, you know, um, put this into some kind of perspective. It felt like a wet towel being whacked against you, to me, mm. you know. So imagine you not being ever hit like that, and then for someone to do that to you, who you think cares about you, loves you or something, and it's just, it's traumatic. It is, and nobody deserves it. No, I don't believe anybody deserves that kind of treatment. Tell no. us more about your book. We're almost running out of time. More about this book. <laughs> Love the title. Tell it like it is. Why don't you? <laughs> uh, well, it's ideal reading for new relationships and even some older relationships. In fact, I have... Um, uh, letters from this woman in uh, Florida who said who thanks me for the book because she said she found her her keeper when her family didn't want him as the keeper and, and the whole nine yards and she just thanks me for that and anyway so this book is, for, is ideal for new relationships and teenagers who are having trouble understanding the role, the value and worth while dating uh, it's great it's a great study tool for youth groups as well. And also it's tintillating for uh, book clubs too. It, it, this book really just helps you understand the dangers that we make in relationships every day, the signs that tell us that, you know, is this guy a keeper? There's over 350 questions and prompts and, and some fun um, little sayings that I have in there. But it's definitely funny, insightful, and candid for the uh, for the reader. In all your experience working with coaching other women and men in relationships, what do you find are three most important values that 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 women and or men embrace in terms of wow, this person is a keeper. Ah, that's a beautiful beautiful question. What they embrace is honesty. Mm. True honesty from both parties is what they really, is, is the one thing I've been finding out. Because guys and girls, they think differently, absolutely think differently. So when that honesty comes to the forefront, up front, you, you know what to expect. You know 
what that person um, feels and thinks because you have continuous, you know, communication. Um, understanding. A lot of times there's a lot of miscommunication because there's um, misunderstanding about how things are going in the relationship with um, with not doing, I guess, thoughtful things as you go through the relationship. Um, and I think that the last part would be persistence and with, along with encouragement. When you persist, you're never giving up. You keep on making those decisions to move forward, advancing to the next part of your relationship, if that's what you truly desire as a couple. Basically, I'd say honesty, understanding, and persistence is what they really are trying to because alongside religion and, and other areas like that where you're, you're somewhat evenly yoked in that area, these other areas are important, honesty, understanding, and persistence. You know, I, I agree. I think they're important. And again, if you really want to make a relationship work, you 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 there's a sense, like you said, of stick to itiveness. You do yeah. what you need to do to, like you said earlier, to keep the relationship alive, to keep it, you know, to to infuse it with with excitement or energy or whatever. So so I think it's great. Tell everyone, Sandra, how they can get a hold of you, how they could find. This book, tell it like it is. Why don't you? And all this, I love. Like I said, I love the title. If they could get in, you know, reach you and get more information about what it means to find a keeper and to keep that person. Thank you, Joanne. Well, my website uh, is sandrapeart.com. Uh, my Facebook page is tell it like it is. Why don't you? Uh, there's in the book I have other information, um, the PO box address that they can send me questions to or, or things they want me to read even. Uh, those are the primary ways. I'm on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, under Primrose Peart. Those are the social sites that I'm pretty much on. Give us your website one more time, Sandra. SandraPeart.com. And the book is available there. And I will autograph the book. Yes, I will autograph the book and it's sent out, shipped out. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your relationship advice and for helping many people feel good about themselves and finding that right fit so that they feel good in a relationship and also feel good about themselves. Thank you, Dr. White. It's a pleasure. You're just an awesome lady yourself. Thank you. You're very sweet. Thanks so much. Have a blessed <laughs> evening, Sandra. Take care. God bless you. Bye-bye. So think about what Sandra said. Remember, communication, she mentioned that communication is so essential to any relationship. You really need to be able to communicate effectively and candidly and also, in my mind, and Sandra's as well, lovingly. That's important. We're shifting gears. Next week we have a guest, Anne Deidre, who's been on before, and that's November 15th. 
and she's going to be talking about changing your energy, changing your life, to tell us all about the intuitive energy healing that's possible and how you could access your inner information and knowing. So that's next week. If you've missed anything about today's show, tuned in late or whatever, that's fine because you can find it again on Blog Talk Radio or on my website, docwhite.org, D-O-C-W-H-I-T-E.org, or Dr. Joanne with an E, white.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on Power Your Life. And remember, you have the ability to power your life and yourself, even with just one small step. So do that today. And thanks so much for being here. Have a blessed evening, day, wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.